Matthew, good to see all of you all on the call. I just swiped my phone over. I've got a bunch of you on the call this morning. Good to have you. Hopefully you can hear us well. We really are trying to work on that, making that better. But we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 11. So what I'm going to do, uh, if I happen to accidentally shut myself off on this call, I will dial right back in. So hang on. But I wanted to... Um, wanted to share something that I read this morning that I think is so fitting. The sixth Sunday after Pentecost, and the theme of this morning really is about learning to see and act, first of all, to see and recognize and act on God's wisdom. And I'm reading this from... Uh, another pastor, her name is uh, Diana Bass, but this is a great statement. Listen to this. God's wisdom is what God, what does, here's God's wisdom. What does it mean to be formed as a person to and into? There we go. Uh, because I get distracted sometimes, guys, because I can see my, my face up here because we have the other uh, the PC on, and I'm not sure if my screen is on. But anyway. His dad is Ben, so we call each, you know, we, we trade jokes about which Ben is calling who and that kind of thing. But Ben Sternke uh, is a pastor in from his childhood in Minnesota. And it goes something like this, and I, I, <clears throat> I'm going to do my best to try to retell this story, but as, as a boy, he ventured out for one of the first times out onto a frozen lake near his home. Now, as a young child, he had heard all the... aware of the fact that he needed to pay attention to what was happening, even though he was assured, pretty sure that it was going to be okay, he was doing what most of us do as we learn about paying attention, didn't want to be foolish wanted to act wisely, and he, as he's somewhere around 20, 30 yards out onto this 
lake, and he's taking one small step after another, watching the lake, seeing what's happening, and he heard something behind him. And he didn't want to look at first, but it got louder. And as the noise got louder, he thought, what? And he I laid awake a lot the last couple of nights, wondering, navigating, you know, emotionally and trying to keep my head. We're tiptoeing through life. I wonder, what's going to hold me? Will it hold me? Where, where can I find peace? And as I think about that story, specifically, I think about my own rest. conceive. Is there an amen? Amen. Amen, amen. Is there anything I can do to help up front? Okay, all right, we're able to hear. We're doing a couple of things, changes on the way that it's going out, so hopefully we'll can fix it. Um, last week, last week we we looked at this um, we looked at this word picture out of the book of uh, Genesis connected with God's invitation. He behold, He's shown you, O oh man, what is good. And we began to think about the idea: of what is good and.
the word, the, the pictures that are used in the Hebrew language that describe good. Tov is the actual Hebrew word. So a house with abundant provision is... That truth weary, burned out, tiptoeing through their collective, their individual trauma, wondering. Matthew 11, 28 to 30. This is out of the message translation. Your Bible. Just walked in. Hi, honey. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm reading. I'm reading scripture, and I'm like, "Wow, that's a real, that's that's." She's touching my heart. I can't believe she's here. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely. And Jesus gives this proclamation. Again, that reality. Turn and recognize. Allow your perspective to be captured by a reality that... me and to carry me. The rest of Jesus invites us. It's not so much into some into inactivity. All that I need has been given to me in the love of God revealed in Christ. The re this rest is about me lifting my eyes from my weak attempt to measure security and safety and tiptoe through life and to see the fullness of His grace. I said, 
That's a worn-out phrase. Everybody's tired. Tired's overrated, actually. Okay? Everybody's tired and needs a nap. Rest enough to hold you and to care for you and to nourish you. In our text, uh, Jesus was speaking specifically, and we're not going to get into the whole, we don't have time to look at the, the whole length. He concludes by saying, he said, you know, here's what it is. Wisdom is actually proved by your children. And what he was pointing to was that in that generation, they were shaped. So he invites them to wisdom, and he says, are, are you tired? Can you hear? Wisdom is proved by your children, and this is what it begins to look like. So, beloved, I want to say this. Religion. being spiritual, for the kingdom of heaven is well suited for ordinary people. Blessed are the depressed who mourn and grieve, for they create space to encounter comfort from one another. Blessed are the gentle and trusting who are not grasping and clutching, for God will personally guarantee their share as heaven comes to earth. Blessed are those who ache for the world to be made right. For them, the government of God is a dream come true. Blessed are those who give mercy, for they will get back what they need most. Blessed are those who have a clean window in their soul, for they will perceive God when and where others don't. Blessed are the bridge builders in a war-torn world, for they are God's Lord, as we receive this communion.
his love firsthand. In the midst of our messy life, in the midst of right where we are, and that kind of repentance, beloved, is good news, and it's repentance that brings hope and peace. I want to invite you this morning to close with me in this prayer. Would you stand up with me? And let's, uh, let's pray this prayer together. table here in just a moment. God of timeless grace, you fill us with joyful expectation. Make us ready for the message that prepares the way, that with uprightness of heart and holy joy, we may eagerly await the kingdom of your Son, Jesus Christ, who reigns with you in the Holy Spirit now and forevermore. Lord, as we come to this, this your table at your invitation, We thank you, Lord, that you've given to us this proclamation that as we participate at this table, we proclaim your life and your death. So, Lord, at this table, we confess that we've sinned. We've sinned against you in thought, in word, in deed, by what we've done, by what we've left undone not loved you with our whole heart, because we were regularly reminded of the threats that were around us and that we needed to be afraid of, the, of those countries that we needed to be afraid of. And now, some, in some ways, it seems a bit ridiculous, but do, 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 do very many of you remember a thing called Y2K and the whole cottage industry called PrEP that it created? And I, I, for real, I mean, like I got pastors who telling me about friends who digging holes in the ground, literally put a bus under the ground to prepare themselves for Y2K. That was here, not somewhere else. That was here. Um, and here, you know, if we're honest, fear has found its way into the church and even in how we proclaim the gospel, beloved. Oh, guys, I... I See, part of my passion in proclaiming the gospel is that we begin to shed off of us anything that is based in fear, the fear of hell, fear of punishment, becoming the motivators of our gospel. That, beloved, is a perversion of the gospel. Okay? Any form of the gospel that is based in fear is not the gospel. Fear is the opposite of love. It is inevitable, but it is not final. So... And that is our confession. It has been the confession of the church. Our soul is eternally connected to its source of life in Christ. I belong to him. Therefore, insult, injury, persecution, and death cannot disrupt what is most essential to my being. Christ in me, the hope of glory. Amen? So, our invitation as followers of him is that when we're facing difficulty and pain is that we live from a different perspective. Not living in fear, but in living in in hope. Will I live? You see, Paul says, I die daily, right? I die daily. I don't think that was just, he was talking about saying no to sinful choices. What he's saying is, I'm recognizing there's a source of life that isn't just in this life. So will I live in the basement of fear and insecurity, or will I look and, sit and proclaim life 
in the way of radical love. Perfect love drives out fear is what John says. Paul later goes on and says, uh, I've come to understand that nothing in all of created order is going to be able to separate me from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And he testifies more than once, but in Galatia, it operates in that same kind of gift of faith. And you guys probably know who I'm talking about. It's Pastor Luis. Just there's a, a gracious gift of faith in their hearts to believe God for his heart to be revealed in the earth. Okay? Um, and I want to walk with those kinds of friends and people. Um, she's, a, she's just a wonderful lady. Now, about a block away, there was another woman, and her husband had died a few years before of kidney failure. And to my understanding, was a was a sweet man, nice, you know, generous man. But this this lady lived on Wayne Street in a gorgeous two story brick home on West Wayne. Uh, and, and even in uh, this, is, I'm dating myself because this is going to be what uh, 35 years ago. That you know, I'm coming up to this building. I can't believe it's been that long, honey, but it has. Anyways, we're somewhere around that neighborhood. Uh, I was told that 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 house was filled with antiques. I never saw them because whenever we went to visit her, we had to go in directly into the basement uh, because that's where she lived. And she would peer through the door and then let you in, make sure you find out who you were. Um, and then once go coming into the basement, hell can become embodied in a very tangible way in our lives and in a corporate expression. I mean, I, I grew up with a mom and a dad that lived in the shadow of having to, to, to live under Nazi occupation. And how did that happen? How did, the, how did Hitler gain control? It didn't even make sense unless you begin to think about this reality, about the fear of instability that had so gripped people that said, that's a better option than what I'm afraid of. Fear, beloved, is a, is a weapon of hell. The power systems of the world, listen to me, many of them are based in fear. Fear of losing control. Fear of what we might lose. Fear of not having enough. Fear of not being enough. Fear of what other people think. Um, you know, it's, I, I can go to Meyer the night before a, a winter storm and take a picture and make fun of people. I've done it. Milk and bread. Hey, here's the truth. 95% of you are going to be fine. You know, you probably, you're probably going to be just fine. And so followers of Jesus who want to point to the resurrection and Jesus' victory as a reason for victory language to talk about being blessed, I, I want to challenge that. To follow Jesus and to be blessed is not about triumph. It's about the cross. It's about the poor and the persecuted. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Jesus walks in that in his humanity. And, and I, I remind you that even to the point right before he's crucified, his blood vessels burst, staring down what he knows is in front of him. Torture, pain, and execution, and betrayal. So I, I want to say this, and I want to submit this to us, that his hope, his hope was in that eternal life is going to be revealed, and watch this, that death is not going to be the final word, okay? 
So, beloved, I want to proclaim this over us as we think about this. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. How we think matters. And, and Jesus, it, it, it isn't even that, you know, oh, you got it right and you don't. His, his point was there is life that God has intended for you. His passion is that we would choose the life. Anything less than the life we were created for is to miss the life that he came to give us. He wants the life that God intended and called good. John Wesley said, one thing is needed for this generation, I'll say it over this generation, or us, that the image of God implanted in each one of us becomes visible. That the image most visible when we have learned to live the way that Jesus is, what's the way of Jesus? You know, it's crazy. Jesus is never othering people and saying if you get rid of them. He just says, I'm weak and lowly of heart, and I'm laying down. That looks like Jesus on the cross, arms stretched out. This is the posture of that beatitude, cruciform, proclaiming that there is another force at work in my life. And this is why I think we need to meditate early and often on the incarnation and the cross as the invitation of what it means to follow Jesus because the way of Jesus and the way of love always leads to a cross. Those are the words of Jesus. Um, we got so much noise out in, in Christianity, in the, in the Western side of Christianity, especially that communicates the idea that following Jesus is an overcoming life of which you'll be, quote, blessed and fill in the blank, you know. New car, new this, new that, that we often call blessed. Um, but nothing, I, I've been meditating on this. If, until we get to the resurrection, bless guys, please do continue to give us feedback on how this is coming along, okay? All right. Blessings and peace be upon you today. We'll see you. Bye-bye. and unfading where Christ lives and reigns with you in the same spirit. Amen and amen. The good news that we're proclaiming today is that the way of Jesus is beautiful. It's always beautiful. But it can be painful because Jesus said, here we go. We're, you're going to follow me. It's going to lead to a cross. So the way of Jesus uh, does not look and behave or translate into fear, but to love. The way of Jesus is radical love in the face of opposition. It is cross-shaped. 
And in theological terms, we call it cruciform. Okay, Christ-like. It's it's cruciform uh, love that we're being invited towards. That is the way that Jesus invites you to. As we think of the Beatitudes, we're thinking about a cruciform life. See, it's easy, again, for me to look and and, uh, show up at Meyer on the night before a storm. But the truth is, my response to opposition, especially when it's painful, and hurtful. And forged against us prevail. Let every tongue that accuses us unjustly be silenced and refuted. Let every fiery dart of the wicked one be extinguished by the shield of faith as we submit to you and resist the devil, as we draw near to you and you to us. May the enemy who leads humanity astray into rivalry, accusation, violence, domination, war, empire, and all manner of sin be driven out from our midst. O God of peace, soon crush the Satan under our feet. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Lord, we come this morning and we proclaim this mystery that, Lord, we just openly confess we don't fully get all the mysteries of you. In this care, a provision. And then watch this. Jesus adds a little bit something spicy to this in Matthew 11. He says, let me just quote one of the prophets. Because for them, they would know this reference. So there's the image. Rest was established by God. It's a space of care and provision in their life. And the prophet Jeremiah says, 
This is what the Lord says. Stand, verse 16, at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Place of wisdom. Where the good way is. Remember the idea of good? Walk in it and you will find rest for your souls. Jesus is literally quoting in the same phrasing, Jeremiah 6. I remember this woman, frail lady, but you could never go to visit her house without her saying, come sit with me over here. And where we would sit was at her little place of prayer. And her place of prayer was a chair that overlooked a little window, and there was a bush outside of that window, and she called it her prayer bush. She said, this is where I meet God. And so uh, she would often, she would ask me how we were doing. She prayed for Denise and I. She prayed for us uh, through the loss of our uh, son. She prayed for us. Then later, there are times I even contacted her with, as far as praying for us uh, with our son Holden when he was going through a lot of asthma challenges. Um, she was just an amazing lady. And she, she had a number of uh, young people that would, she ha had them live with her. Uh, of course, they had to pay some rent so that she could, we just sang the doxology together. Can we just sing that together as we close this morning? Let's see if I can find Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above you. Heavenly host, praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. Go in peace, beloved. Grace and peace be with you. It was fear-based. And, and what I remember most of all is this woman living in a basement who had abundance but was held captive by fear and lived impoverished. And it was, it was just an awful uh, commentary. Fear, beloved, is a horrible thing, but it's real. You hear me? Um, fear is the fuel behind a lot of human behavior. 
Fear is the thing that fuels a lot of politics. Fear is the thing that fuels a lot of economic engines around the world. I lived in the 70s as a child, the 60s and 70s, literally in the shadow of NORAD in Colorado Springs. I remember being, you know, having the, you didn't even need to go to the store, but, and who would have thought that a worldwide lockdown would bring us to a shortage of toilet paper, right? I mean, we could all laugh at it, but we're like, yeah, that happened. That was real. I had my son calling from Florida saying, where do we find it? I, I don't even know. I don't know. Beloved, the way of Jesus is what we've been talking about in the Beatitudes. The way of Jesus, believing that God has a different way that he revealed in Christ. And it does not look like, listen to me, fearing for our survival. Okay? Buckets in a basement lined with beans and rice. There might be some wisdom in preparing for the future, but listen to me. Somewhere around the wee hours of the morning when I had the privilege of being able to meet uh, Thea Joanne, I invited us to gather together. Jake's parents were there. Our, some of our kids were there. Out onto a frozen lake near his home. Now, as a young child, he had heard all the you know, horrific stories that can happen if you go out onto a piece of frozen lake or water too soon. And so he was venturing out onto this lake that he had understood was